Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sweetie, you're going too fast. That's not one, two, three, four. Come on, let's practice. Let's get it down. Okay? Stop smiling. One, two, three, four. Now you move. One, two, three, four. But like, do a pop. Hello and welcome to Everything Iconic. I'm Danny Pellegrino. Bam! In the words of Shannon Storms Pador. She's doing so much BAM work in this season of The Real Houses of Orange County. Every confessional, every time we see her on screen, she's like, BAM! BAM! ACK! <laughs> it's, so, it's so much, Shannon. It's so much. But I, I'm sort of falling in love with Shannon a little bit. She's a momager. I'm a momager! And she's she's getting her daughters on the fashion walk on a boat. Uh, we're going to get to The Real Houses of Orange County in just a second. Before I do, I have to say, uh, there's a new trailer for The Real Houses of Dallas, the mid-season trailer just came out. And I've been saying that this season of Dallas, I think, is maybe boring. It's a little bit boring, right? That's what I feel. And the mid-season trailer looks great. So I don't know if they just cut a really good trailer or if it's going to be a good second half of the season, but I'm excited. I'm excited, although I'm also troubled because there's claims of racism and there's Leanne calling um, Carrie some names, and it's, I don't know, it could be troubling to watch, but it does look like compelling TV at the least, and so I'm hopeful. But we've been down this road before. Sometimes they just cut a really great trailer, and then it ends up being boring and uh, a lot of nothing. But we'll see. My fingers are crossed. And at the very least, I know Atlanta and Jersey are starting soon. And I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I did see the screeners of the first episodes. And let me tell you something, they're great. And I feel so relieved and happy and excited that they're back. And on Atlanta, we'll talk about it on premiere week, but on Atlanta, Kenya's back. And I feel like you'll see in the first episode, it feels like no time has passed, but it also feels so refreshing that she's back. And so I'm very excited about those franchises because Dallas and Orange County, I don't know that they've been super great. Last week of Orange County was the low point for me. This week, I felt like we got a lot of good laughs. And we, of course, got the origin story of Gina's horrible confessional look. But there was, there was a lot of laughs this week. I did really love Kathy. Uh, Kathy's a star. Get her in orange. We need Kathy on the next season. She was that woman on the boat who was the MC of the boat fashion show. And I would like to see more of Kathy. And so we did get a lot of laughs. I did enjoy this episode. And it was much less uh, loud noises than last week. So that was really refreshing. So let's talk about Orange County. So we open with Shane cooking with the kids. That was surprising to me. Are they trying to make him likable? They must be trying to make him likable. Because there was even st- uh, stuff later in the episode where they were talking about him being a great dad. And then on Watch What Happens Live, I just saw a clip of it. Bronwyn was on. I didn't watch the whole episode, but I did see Andy ask Bronwyn what she thinks of Shane and Emily's marriage. And Bronwyn sort of said, like, they have a, she implied that they have an agreement and that he's a good dad, but basically not a good husband is what she implied. Everyone should go watch the clip. It's on YouTube. But I thought it was telling to me. And I, I think you should have both, right? Like you shouldn't, I'm not sure that it's a good thing to stick in a marriage if the marriage is bad just for the kids because the kids pick up on that. And then I also think it teaches them bad habits because then the kids think that's the type of marriage and relationship you should be in is someone who's maybe not nice to you. And it conditions the child to think that way. So then when they start dating, they start to think that that's a normal way to be in a relationship. So I always think it ends up doing more harm than good when these parents stay together for the kids, because then the kids end up seeing this bad example, and then it uh, is a vicious cycle. Whereas if you just get out of it, you can find someone who loves you, and then co-parent peacefully, the way that Gwyneth Paltrow does, (laughs) conscious uncoupling. These celebrities nowadays, do you notice, like all these celebrities, they do like great parent co-parenting after they get divorced. And it seems like such a stark contrast to like the 90s or whatever, but it's surprising to me. By the way, the other day on the show, I said that 1999 was 10 years ago, and people corrected me quite a bit. And I, 
I really think that sometimes. Like, I feel like I can't believe we're in the year of 2019. And I really, in my head, when I'm thinking of 1999, I'm thinking of it as 10 years ago. And that's something I need to talk to my therapist about. But uh, I really did. So many people were like, uh, Danny, by the way, 1999 was 20 years ago. <laughs> that was eye-opening for me. Oh my God, my eyes went wide. Uh, but they are trying to make Shane likable, showing him cooking with the kids. And Eddie, meanwhile, they show a little quick clip at the beginning of Eddie talking to Tamara about tennis. And look, Eddie is not likable on the show. He seems to not want to be there at all. Every single time he's on camera, Eddie wants to be off camera. He does not want to be there. Stop making him film. I know Tamara asks him to get on board and film, but Eddie does not want to be there. His eyes are screaming, get me out of here. He does not want to be on camera. He's wearing all that cut fitness shit all the time, and he don't want to be there. And he's advertising the spin classes at Cut Fitness, but I don't think he wants to even be on camera to advertise the spin classes he's instructing. He wants to get out. So get him out of there. So then we see Kelly and Bronwyn bicycling. Kelly says that Dr. Brian is already part of the family. And this was weird to me. I thought, you guys are just starting to date as far as we know, and it doesn't seem like it's going super well. She's mad that he's not calling her before 5.30, and there's all this uh, trouble afloat. And in real time, we know that Kelly's already with some other guy, and she's done with Dr. Brian. She's talked about him on social media and how she doesn't care for him. And here she is on screen saying he's part of the family. And that made me feel a little bit icky. Then they went to the bike shop, and this bike guy was doing a bit. Did you notice this bike shop man? He told Kelly that the bike was $12,000. He said, it's $12,000. And everyone was looking at him. It's like, you know when a friend does a bit where it's just really not funny, and no one knows what to do? Like, you kind of feel like you have to uh, sympathy laugh or or polite laugh, even though no one thinks it's funny. It's like, that's what everyone was doing. This man was like, the bike's $12,000. And everyone knew like, oh, this bike shop owner, he's doing a bit and we should laugh. And so they laughed, but no one thought it was funny. Not a single person, not even Bronwyn, not the producers, not the camera people. No one thought this $12,000 bit was funny. Turns out it was $4,000. So uh, look, that seems expensive for a bike to me. I haven't been in the market for a bike in a while. I used to drive my bike around Chicago, and then it got stolen when I lived there. And that was the last experience I had with a bike. But uh, I don't know what they run for now. But $12,000 is like, we all know, dude, no one's going to buy a bike a bicycle for $12,000. But he just kept on at it. That bicycle shot man, he just kept on at it. Get him a Netflix special. He's doing his bits. Let's get him on TV. Let's see what else he's got in his back pocket. Because I feel like he maybe has some good stuff in his repertoire. He obviously has been trained to do these bits. It's not like people don't just do them uh, willy-nilly out of the blue. So I feel like in his life, he must have done bits before and people laugh at them. And maybe this one just didn't land. So I would like to hear some more from the Bicycle Shop Man. The $12,000 thing didn't quite work. But I think that maybe if we were to put him on Netflix, Comedy Central, HBO, give him a special, we could see if this man has anything that's uh, that's worth viewing. Because maybe he's got some good jokes in there. Anyway, then Bronwyn talks about this Orange County Fashion Week I just would like to say that I want a fashion week dedicated to season one fashions of Real Houses of Orange County. So I want to see a full fashion show with Lynn Curtin's cuffs, the trucker hats, the sky tops. I want to see all the season one fashions paraded on a runway. And I would like to view that. I don't need like these new fashions. We're going to talk about that fashion show was batshit crazy, you guys. It was on a fucking boat. It was on a casino boat or something. (laughs) I thought they were going to go upstairs and play back. Jack, it was like, what is happening on this boat? Why are we having the fashion show on the boat? And then Bronwyn, what was was she wearing to the fashion show? Her daughter was showing athleisure. What was Bronwyn wearing? I mean, this whole fashion show, you guys. But I want to see all those season one fashions that we know and love. Those sky tops. Those Gina Keogh was never in a anything but a sky top. Alexis Bellino, <laughs> Tammy Knickerbocker, they weren't in clothes outside of a, a sky top. <laughs> I need more. I need more. So Kelly and Bronwyn, they talk about how they ride or die, which I this is a friendship I did not see coming, and I don't know that it'll last. I don't know that they are friends in real time. And that's interesting to me. Then we cut to, ugh, you guys, Tamara and Ryan. Ugh. 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 <laughs> 
Sorry for that choking sound. Um, but I'm disgusted. I don't want to see Ryan on camera. No one wants to see him on camera. Get him off my TV. I'd rather see that bicycle shop man doing his bits than have to look at Ryan at the Laser Away Clinic, getting rid of the tattoo and talking about how his life sucks. I don't tune into these shows for the men. I'll put on Married to Medicine when I want to see the men talk. Ryan's in the confessionals, and it's just his life, and I don't like him at all. He irks me, ekes me out. What's the word I'm looking for? He skeezes me out, icks me out. He makes me feel very uncomfortable. He was dressed as an American flag, which I love the American flag, but uh, Ryan is not making anything look great, quite frankly. I would have rather just seen an American flag. That's what they should have done this whole scene. They should have just shown one image of an American flag on screen, replaced the whole scene of Tamara and Ryan, and just shown me an American flag. I would have felt more patriotic just looking at a flag than having to see Ryan dressed as one. Because I didn't feel so patriotic when I was looking at Ryan. I would have rather just done up, I would have stand, stood up and done the Pledge of Allegiance if they would have just shown me one still frame image of a flag for five minutes. I think that would have been more moving than having to look at Ryan at the Laser Away Clinic. Although I will say something, you guys. They were at Dr. Will Kirby, his laser clinic. It was called Laser Away, but I've been to his clinic called Dr. Tadoff, and I think it was the same place. It looked the same place. I had laser hair removal done, and... Uh, I just want to say that that place was great, but it was funny because like all the nurses were always bachelor contestants. So every time I went in for my treatment, <laughs> this was years and years ago, so it might be totally different. But when I went in, it was like every time whoever was like doing my laser session, it was always someone who had just gotten off the bachelorette or the bachelor. And I don't, I'm not familiar with Bachelor Nation. I do respect those that are. But every time I went in, somebody would be like, I'd be like, so what's new with you? Because you make a lot of small talk. And they'd be like, well, I just got off The Bachelor. It was like every time I went there for months and months. And I just always got a kick of that. But they were all so sweet. Everyone was nice there. And it was a great place. So that's where they were. We did also see a flashback of Ryan's lip tattoo, which that was the most troubling to me to see. I don't want to see that at all. I don't want to see you guys, Ryan. I don't, I don't need to see him on TV. I don't need to see him in confessionals. <sighs> I don't even know what to say about him. He just makes me uncomfortable. He said, no one gave me the building blocks of life, and it pisses me off. I don't... His eyes... I don't know. I don't even want to talk about Ryan anymore. Let's move on. Let's move on to a scene that was even maybe more chilling, and that's when Gina got her hair done. And look, you guys, Gina, we saw in the confessional when she had that bleach blonde hair, that terrible look. It's not a great look. We've noticed it since the beginning of the show. And we finally get the origin scene, which was more compelling than anything in the Joker movie. But we see her getting her hair done. I was on the edge of my seat. It was a bad dye job. And I wasn't sure when we were getting this scene, like, was this the... This, is this the hair that we know from the confessionals? Like, is this when it happened? Or I thought, is this her changing her hair from the confessionals? It turns out it's the origin of that bleach blonde confessional. So it is that confessional look. They're doing it in Gina's casita kitchen with the gather signs all over the uh, all over the kitchen. You know, she, Gina loves some word art from Home Goods. And again, I would like to remind everyone, I love a Home Goods more than anyone. But it's uh, important to be a curator there. You don't just throw everything willy nilly into a cart. You curate it. That's what's most important. So I know we often see people talking shit about Gina, and I see online people saying Home Goods threw up on Gina. And I just would like to stick up for Home Goods and say you could find a lot of great things there, but you have to curate your Home Goods. You don't just throw everything in a cart and leave. You look at it and you decide what goes where, and you're an artist. You're an artist. I quite frankly, you you put what's in that cart that you need and you make your house look good. Gina just throws it in there willy-nilly. So anyway, they're in this kitchen. Her friend is doing it, which I thought maybe you should go to her salon or go to someone who has a salon where they have the supplies there. Here's the thing. I don't think it's good to color your hair at your own house and have the hairstylist come to you because what if they don't have something? What if they thought they brought this and they forgot it and they're not at their home or their salon so they can't get it? So it's possible, especially when you're dyeing your hair, everything's time sensitive. So you need all your supplies. And so I think Gina, right off the bat, she should have went to a salon or this woman's house who was dyeing her hair. That was mistake number one. Mistake number two was that she was doing it in her kitchen. 
Why didn't they do it in the bathroom? She was washing her hair out in the kitchen sink. She has children. And I don't know exactly a lot about hair dye. You know, I've never really dyed my hair. But I did dye it once in high school. My friend Beth, she <laughs> gave me she gave me uh, highlights or tips, frosted tips. That's what they were called. Remember, they were all the rage with 98 degrees. <laughs> I saw Nick Lachey and I was like, you know what? I want that. Uh, and my friend Beth did it. And I think I was in maybe middle school or high school, and it looked terrible. I have dark black hair. It does not look good uh, with frosted tips. I'm Italian. And it really looked terrible. I kept it in for one day, and then I, uh, my mom made me uh, shave my head, buzz my head, and get it out. But I did have frosted tips for one day. And there's a, a picture somewhere uh, that I have. I'll have to try to find it. There was one picture I took with a disposable camera of my, me and my frosted tips. It's the only proof of, that exists of me uh, in high school with a frosted tip. But that's all the knowledge I really have of dye. But I think that, isn't it, maybe you shouldn't have the hair dye in the kitchen sink where the kids are going to be? I, I don't know much about that. Maybe that's a reach. But either way, it was shocking. This hair was shocking. And then when they did the reveal, that reveal of the hair when Gina looked in the mirror, you guys, I was jaw-dropped, shell-shocked, clutching my invisible pearls. I could not believe it. She was looking in the mirror and she, oh, this looks great. Or she said, this looks great. (laughs) In that Gina way that we know and love. And uh, I was shocked. My jaw was wide open. You know, sometimes I say that, but this was like, I literally, I could not believe my eyes when she was looking at that mirror and they all said it looked great. And that hairstylist was bullshitting her. I don't know if that hairstylist doesn't know any better. Maybe this is her first client. I'm not sure. But that hairstylist was telling her a lie. She was telling her fib. If she was uh, had the Pinocchio syndrome, that nose would have went all the way out the TV screen because she was lying to Gina's face. And I wish that somebody would have put a subtitle up and said, this is wrong. (laughs) Bravo editors should have put something up there that just gave their opinion and said, this hair actually looks bad. It does not look good on Gina. And anyway, Gina said she's had a rough year. She's had a rough year and she's been telling us that. And you know what? This was her crying out loud. You know that song, Don't Cry Out Loud? Well, Gina just cried out loud. And that hair was a cry out loud. So somebody should have stepped in, one of the producers, one of the camera people, and maybe they did eventually. Maybe we'll see that down the line in the episodes. But I feel that somebody should have known that this was Gina crying out loud, and it looked terrible. Then we see Bronwyn with her family. They're toasting to the fashion show. Again, the daughter's going to premiere her athleisure line or athletic line. And it was a little interesting to me that Bronwyn was talking about how their daughter has uh, OCD and how she's overcome the OCD to do this great thing of having this fashion show. And of course, we don't know the whole story about it, but it was a little bit interesting to me that it seemed like, even later in the episode, Sean and Bronwyn were saying how much they needed this to go well, and it it seemed to me that that would be stressful to a child who is maybe suffering from um, some mental health issues. And I I don't know, I hope that uh, the daughter was doing well, and I'm super proud of her and great for her for creating this line. But I think being a teenager is so hard, no matter what. Like, there's so many hormones going on, you're dealing with so many social dynamics at school. I think that any sort of child who is thrust into a job, I think that it's hard. It's really, really hard. And to thrust your child into having like a fashion line, or even I was just, what was I watching? Uh, where I was thinking about child actors. And, oh, I was thinking about how I don't think that it's right to have your kids acting at like 15, 16, because it's just a lot of pressure on a child to be like headlining a movie. It's one thing to have a kid get a job at Panera or uh, the movie theater or, uh, I don't know, delivering pizzas. That's one thing because there's not as much outside pressure on that. Of course, you have to perform for the job, but something like owning and creating a clothing line or headlining a movie, like those are a little bit more intense positions that I think it would be tough for any child to do, uh, certainly. Uh, when I was 16 years old, I don't think I could have handled it. Although I was voted most involved in my high school, so maybe I could have. <laughs> I was. I don't mean to brag, but I was voted most involved. So there you go. And I was also voted best personality. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, uh, I was 
interested in the Bronwyn family dynamic and they were all cheersing to the fashion show. And I noticed they all have that laugh. They all have that <laughs> laugh. All of them. I think a few of them did at least. I heard it coming from all different angles. You know, I had the surround sound on and it was like my house just, it sounded like a woodpecker in every corner. Was like, ah! <laughs> the mics were picking up that Broadwin family uh, in every which way, every which direction. Then we cut to Shannon, who's getting her hair and makeup done. Her daughter, Adeline, is walking. And Shannon said something to the daughter. So the daughter came in and said she's ready to go. And the daughter said she just brushed her teeth. And Shannon said, brush your teeth good. And Shannon implied that normally the daughter doesn't brush her teeth good. And that was a red flag to me. And I don't know that we really need to get into it any further. I just wondered what that meant. I felt like there was some subtext there. Shannon said, just brush your teeth. Did you brush your teeth good? And that implied that she normally doesn't. So in my head, I thought, maybe we need to keep our eye on that. You know, there's this famous interview. You know, I love Jessica Simpson. And there's this famous interview she did on Ellen where she said she only brushes her teeth like a couple times a week or something. And she said, because she doesn't like the way it makes her teeth feel, it it makes them feel too slippery, she says. And that's not okay. You're supposed to brush those chompers, okay? If you're listening to this and you only brush your teeth three times a week, you need to take a hard look in the mirror and do it some more. Just because your teeth are slippery, uh, you're going to get some cavities. Your teeth are going to rot and fall out. So brush your teeth twice a day. That's what you're supposed to do. We do get a flashback of Shannon's daughter singing Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher. What an iconic song. Immediately, I went to Spotify to look it up. It's not available, which is devastating. Uh, But I hope that one day it'll be available on streaming with a lot of the other classics we're still missing. You know, Hocus Pocus, I Put a Spell on You by Bette Midler, that's still not available on streaming. Where is it? Where's the justice? A Goofy Movie, those songs uh, stand out and eye to eye from the movie A Goofy Movie. Those are still not available on streaming. Where's the justice? I think we need uh, to get these things on streaming. We need Dreamcatcher. I need to be able to listen to it when I want, where I want. So then uh, we talked about Bronwyn's outfit to this fashion show. Again, we're on a boat and it's an athleisure fashion show, but Bronwyn dressed as she called herself uh, High End Big Bird. Sometimes I think Bronwyn does dress really well. I do like Bronwyn's style most of the time. I didn't this time. I didn't think this was it, but I, you know, she took some risks and it was confusing to the eye. And I wondered if Bronwyn will slowly turn into Dr. Deb because Dr. Deb just throws on anything she finds around the house, just sees any, anything that's got a little color to it. Dr. Deb just puts on her back and she heads on in. But I wondered if Bronwyn was going to take on that uh, styling sensibility as she got older, because it seems like she takes risks. But I could very well see that uh, evolving into the Dr. Deb style. But right now, I think Bronwyn quite often has some really cute style. Uh, I just didn't love this high-end Big Bird look. Um, But we do see everyone getting on this boat for the fashion show. Shannon, she was terrorizing the daughter on the whole way in. She's like, walk, bam, do a pop like this and do a peace out, bam. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing, but I go, bam, Shannon said. <laughs> she, she said she'd do the peace out. She said, pop your hip. Do a pop, ack. <laughs> Shannon, Shannon, Shannon. I like Shannon in like little small doses. Like I think that's what the secret of success is with Shannon. It's like, just give me a little bit of her. I just want to see her with the daughters for a scene. And then that's it. Like, I don't like Shannon in the mix too much. Like when she's in drama with people, I don't really care for that. I just want to see Shannon kind of popping in for a second. I think Shannon actually would do well as a friend of. And I think it'd be really a good thing for her because she could pop in and be a little quirky and loud and weird and do her little bam. (laughs) And then we could get rid of her. And I think we're all looking at this. I've noticed a lot of people talking. They say, should Vicky have been demoted? Should maybe should have been Tamara. And I think, you know, maybe it should have been Shannon. And that's not to say I don't care for Shannon. I actually am really liking Shannon this season. I just think she would work better in small doses. We would like her more the way that Countess Luann, when she was barely in the season uh, years ago, we ended up liking her more. Sometimes a little bit is a good thing. A little bit is a good thing. Then 
Uh, again, we see Dr. Deb arriving in her Halloween costume. She just was wearing everything. Anyway, then Tamara shows up with Eddie. Bronwyn says to Tamara right off the bat, should we make out now or later? And then Eddie asks if they made out and there was tongue. And then he asked to watch. And I don't even think he wanted to watch. Did you hear the way that Eddie said it? He goes, I'd like to watch. And you know, I know, I know Eddie don't want to be on screen. But even the way that he said, I'd like to watch, I was thinking, you know, he doesn't even seem like he wants to watch. He doesn't. He just wants to go to bed. He wants to get out of this camera work and just go to bed. That's what I think Eddie wants to do. Uh, but did you notice there was in, I don't know if it was in social media or a blog or something where Tamara implied that Bronwyn had like, uh, that night they were making out that Bronwyn had thrusted herself on her or, or, or something. There was some confusion there. And I didn't end up looking it up. Somebody had sent me something and I meant to look it up, but I didn't. So I don't know. Forgive me. I don't have the specifics. But uh, there, was, it seemed like maybe Tamara was trying to throw Bronwyn under the bus with it, from what I saw. But I, I don't, I didn't read much into it. So, anyway, then let's see. Sean. Uh, speaking of dreamcatchers, Sean Bronwyn's husband was wearing a dreamcatcher around his neck. Uh, you know, he's always doing the necklace work, and it did seem like that was um, maybe something he was wearing to the boat fashion show. Uh, then, oh, this was really good, you guys. Gina showed up. Gina showed up, and right away, everyone's like, "What the fuck's going on?" what is that hair? Gina showed up with the new hair. And literally every single person that looked at her was like, what the fuck? What is that? What are you doing? Gino, SOS on Gina. What's happening? (laughs) What? Gina 911. What's going on? When you're going through a divorce, ladies, you don't change your hair because you have a low self-esteem after a divorce and you try to make yourself feel better. But what you really end up doing is making yourself look really ugly. Case in point, Gina, exhibit A. So funny. Oh, it was so funny, but in true. In true. Uh, Dr. Deb, meanwhile, said to Gina that Gina needs Adderall. She said it right to her face. She said, maybe you need some. <laughs> oh, you guys, Gina, the way they were all looking at her. Oh, my God, it made me laugh. <laughs> what the fuck, Gina? What is that hair? What is that hair, Gina? What is that hair? Uh, then Gina sits down with Emily at the boat fashion show to say that Matt wants to get to bed. Matt wants to get back together with her and has been calling her selfish. And Emily, I don't even think want to talk about this. I think Emily's over the whole show. I think she's over everyone in the cast, just as we are. And to that, I'd like to say protect Emily at all costs. It's important that we protect her. So then the fashion show starts and we get a lot of weirdness. There's a lot of sequin outfits. Then they have to move upstairs, which was weird to me because I thought, so we're doing a second fashion show on another level or something. So as they're going to move upstairs, Dr. Deb looks for the bathroom and she says someone grabs her. She said, don't touch me. Although, did you notice she said it in that Anna Ferris voice from House Bunny? She said like, don't touch me. <laughs> they start to go to the bathroom and then this guy grabs my arm and goes, where do you think you're going? I was like, don't touch me. Remember Anna Ferris in House Bunny when she goes, Joanne. <laughs> also kind of sounds like Luann from The Rouses of New York, but, but Dr. Deb said, don't touch me. It was like her voice changed. It was like a demon took over and don't touch me. And I don't know what it was. It was in her confessional. Did you catch that? It was very shocking to me. I don't know if a demon took over her soul, but suddenly she sounded like uh, Luann looking for some water on the Real Houses of New York. Water! It was Dr. Deb. (laughs) Don't touch me. Dr. Deb. Oh, my God. But she said someone grabbed her. And then she grabbed the guy who allegedly was. And then somebody, like, said, called her sweetheart. And then Dr. Deb went over to Bronwyn and said, she came after me. And it was all very like, uh, I'm going to call the manager. Do you know what I'm saying? It was very, Dr. Deb was acting very, don't call the manager to me. It was like she was making, I'm not saying that maybe she didn't feel uncomfortable, whatever. But it did feel like she was uh, making a little bit of a mountain out of Mohill. Now, I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly what happened. But... I just felt like she was telling Bronwyn, like, he grabbed me, and she called, she called me a sweetheart. And I don't even know that anyone was, like, doing anything maliciously, uh, but it seemed to be a huge miscommunications. But it did add to, it did create one of the best scenes we've seen this season, and that is uh, the woman who was on the microphone. I believe her name was Kathy. We're calling her Kathy, and maybe it wasn't. But uh, Kathy, she 
says to Bronwyn, look, I don't have the psychic skills to know who your mother is. <laughs> That's what she... Because... <laughs> I don't have this. This was, oh my God, what a star. I don't have the psychic skills to know who your mother is. And that's what I'm going to say to someone next time they confront me about anything. I'm going to say, I don't have the psychic skills to know that. If somebody says, I said something rude or I I did something wrong, I'm going to say, I don't have the psychic skills to know that that was wrong. And that made me laugh so hard. And then everyone's like coming after this one and she turns on the microphone so that everyone on the fucking boat could hear anything that was said with an earshot. And she just keeps going, defamation, defamation. And then Kelly, meanwhile, gets involved, and she's like, dumbass, dumbass, you dumbass. <laughs> uh, and then Bronwyn's running around the boat pissed. You don't talk about my family, my family. She's turning on uh, Caroline Manzo. And then she's like, I'm going to throw her off the boat. Kelly says she's going to hit the woman in the face. And then there's a flashback to Kelly hitting Shannon over the head. And then, <laughs> then it's revealed that this whole boat sh- fashion show has a cause and a, a charitable cause attached to it, and that cause is anti-bullying. So, <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my god, you guys, this show is so stupid. I love it. I love it. These shows are so stupid, and I love them. It had an anti-bullying message, and this whole, we just saw 15 minutes of everyone bullying each other, and they can't help themselves. No one. Not our castmates, not Kathy. No one could help themselves. They're all... <laughs> Running around being assholes, and meanwhile, the show's got an anti-bullying message. And then the woman's on the microphone, she says, you can hashtag anti-bullying. And then, (laughs) it's the weirdest boat ever. It's the weirdest, this is such a crazy fashion boat show. Weirdest event. Weirdest event. And then another uh, co-host just took over the fashion show, someone named Crystal with pigtails. I thought, would you really wear pigtails to a boat fashion show? I'm not sure. But it was a bold move on Crystal's part. Uh, and she showed up to take over the mic from uh, Kathy because somebody, Kathy couldn't contain herself. She had to get out of there. SOS on Kathy. Kathy 911, she had to get off that boat. <laughs> I'd imagine, you know, like when the unblow deck, when they do the charters or whatever, or the, uh, and they have to do the excursions. And so they'll send um, someone to get the supplies, like on the island or something. I imagine like one of those little boats had to take Kathy off the uh, fashion show boat and onto shore. Kathy's like, I gotta get out of here. And then one of the crew members just had to fire up that little boat and get Kathy off of it. (laughs) Anyway, Shannon's daughter walks out. She does well. And then everyone talks about how great Bronwyn's daughter did. Congratulations to her. Bronwyn says, don't fuck with my kids or my family. But I didn't really know that anyone was. Um, Yeah. Then we have a scene of Emily and Bronwyn at a horse farm. And I've always wanted to become a horse person. I think horse people are, they have a different level of compassion than I think most of us do. And there's something when people connect with horses, I think it is a magical thing. And I don't have that. I've never connected with a horse. I did take a sign language class once at a horse farm. It was in a barn and the classes just happened to be there. I told you guys in college, I took a sign language class, but before college, I I wanted to learn a little bit. So I did a couple classes. It wasn't extensive. But it was in a barn, and there were horses nearby, and I always would look at them and say, oh, I want to learn, and then I never did. My friend Beth and I did take classes at a barn, and I don't even know how they were set up there, why they were set up there, but I did go to the barn with my notepad once a week, and I said, teach me some sign language. <laughs> I didn't learn anything then. I, I didn't learn any until I went to college, but uh, I did go to a barn to take some classes, and that's a very Ohio thing to do, because no one even questioned it. Why were we going to a barn? I should ask my friend Beth that. Why were they teaching us in a horse barn? I'm not sure. There were horses just like neighing around us while they were teaching us the ABCs and sign language. <laughs> and uh, I never questioned. I just went along with my friend Beth. Just did it. Just did it. Anyway, then uh, Bronwyn and Emily talk about their fathers. Emily says hers has anger issues, uh, or, or hers have caused her anger issues, and her first emotion is anger. And then Bronwyn worries that everyone's going to leave her. And Emily then says Shane is a better father than her husband, uh, better father than he is a husband, and she's okay with that. Mm, interesting. Then we cut to a phone call between Gina and Tamara, you guys. This was troubling. <laughs> Gina says, I overdid it with the conditioner, and I just wrote, girl, girl, Gina, you overdid it with the conditioner and everything else. You overdid it all around. Uh, but Gina reveals that she's doing therapy with Matt for co-parenting, and he's been calling her and she's ignored it, and then he came over at 1am 
And she reveals that she did not lock the door, so he just went in and wa- went to the bedroom. Okay, what the fuck? And then Gina described that as a romance novel situation. Gina, it's not a romance novel situation at all. It's not. It is not. She said, it's a romance novel situation, Tamara. And I said, is it? <laughs> it's not, Gina. And also, lock the fucking door. You have kids. She needs to get it together. I mean, I do feel for Gina. But she's doing things. She's getting in the car after drinking, and she's driving. Then she's not locking the door, and she's got kids. I mean, come on. You're a single mother. You got to lock the door. At the very least, you should be expected to lock the door at night. And she reveals it's because she was talking to that Dr. Hottie on the phone. There's no excuse. I don't care who the fuck you're talking to. You could be talking to the Queen of England, Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman. You could be talking to anyone. And you need to lock the door. You have children there. And even if you don't have children there, you're there and you're their mother. So you need to lock the door so no one comes in there. It's important. You're on TV. You should have the doors locked. You should have security installed. What's those security systems that... I don't know. You need to have something there. You shouldn't just have the doors wide open. What the fuck, Gina? It's irresponsible. She don't have no license or she got it all taken away and now she's not even locking the door. Learn, Gina. We want to root for you, but we can't root for you when you're leaving the door unlocked. You have kids. <laughs> lock, lock the fucking door. And also, Matt, stop coming over and sneaking in her bedroom. Who the fuck do you think you are? You do not just sneak in her bedroom. That is gross and creepy. You are the father of her children. You need to get out. And if she don't want you over, then don't come over. Unless she says, come on by. Unless she says, come on over, baby, the way that Christina Aguilera did in the late 90s. Then you do not come on over, baby. You stay at your house, and you masturbate or do whatever you gotta do. Pull up Pornhub and uh, take care of yourself. But leave Gina the fuck alone. Don't just sneak up in there when she's leaving the door open. I mean, come on. What is wrong with everyone? They need to get it together. Both of them need to get it together. Now, this is enough. Taylor Armstrong, enough. We've had enough. Anyway, uh, then we cut to more of Ryan and Tamara again. I don't want to see any more of Ryan. Ryan says he feels nothing. He said some people have better opportunities to springboard off of, but I don't want to play the victim. And then they show a flashback of him and Simon. Uh, I just don't like him at all. But here's what I more importantly would have wanted to talk about. So Tamara says that she put him in touch with a life coach. And then when she tells Ryan, she says that I put you in touch with a life coach, but then in her confessional, Tamara called the woman a professional therapist who she put him in touch with. So this was interesting to me because I think we need to know the distinction between a therapist and a life coach. And it was a very minor thing that happened, and maybe it wasn't even consciously. I'm not even sure if Ryan or Tamara knows if they were in touch with a professional therapist or a life coach. But I thought this was an interesting thing because I like to talk about mental health on here, and I think there is a very important distinction between the two. And I'm not saying one's good or bad. I'm I'm certainly not talking trash about life coaches by any means. I just would like people to know that there is a difference because I do think it's important. So I just want to, I looked this up and I just want to read this to you. So a therapist, professional therapist can help you with mental health difficulties, diagnosis and assessment. Therapists also can help you develop potential, uh, uh, find solutions, provide direction and help you set goals. Therapists are educated with a minimum of a master's degree in psychology or counseling and are licensed in the states they offer services in. Therapists complete 3,000 hours of supervised practice and are bound by ethical codes that govern their conduct. If a therapist behaves inappropriately or makes a mistake, there is a recourse through filing a complaint with the state licensing board. They, this is long, they can assist you using hundreds of science and research proven methods like cognitive behavior therapy, motivational interviewing, dialectical behavior therapy, and cognitive processing therapy, just to name a few. Therapists collaborate with clients to develop strengths-based initiatives and in providing skill building and communication, uh, reality testing, problem solving, and reframing. Therapists can also help you probe relationship and career issues with counseling and coaching. They're well-versed in coordinating with doctors when necessary and work with other professionals they can refer you to when needed. Therapists are also bound by ethics and state and federal law to maintain your privacy and confidentiality. Now, a life coach, they are an unregulated profession. At present, there are no state licensing boards or universally accepted standards of education or training for life coaches. 
A life coach may or may not hold an advanced degree or any certificate in life coaching because it is unregulated. It is not a profession with a minimum acceptable standard of ongoing education or training. They can't be paneled with health uh, insurance companies, and so the cost of life coaching is up to the client. They uh, life coaches can't work with mental health problems, so should one arise, uh, should one arise, but they can help you with coaching thought to improve performance, develop your potential, help you with solutions, provide directions. With assistance in goal setting. Ah, that was a mouthful. So I apologize for that. But I just thought it was important distinction because I think a lot of us don't even know that there's a difference. And again, I think life coaching is amazing. And if you're a life coach out there, I think you're doing wonderful and important work. Uh, And same with therapists. I think it's a fantastic thing. I just thought it's important that we know that there is a difference. And so if you are someone who's struggling with mental health, Maybe look up the differences between the people that you're seeing and the professionals, because depending on what you're looking for, you might be looking for one or the other. Blah, blah, blah. That's the end of my show. Blah, blah, blah. I just mean, I feel like I've been talking forever. Uh, And also, it's not the end of the show. We got to talk about Dallas. But uh, that's the end of the episode. We didn't get any Vicky this week. Next week is the tea party. Now, we have to talk about the Real Houses of Dallas. So let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back and we'll talk Dallas. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like, I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. Look, I'm going in with an open mind. And last week, I did not care for Dallas. And I feel like it's been going downhill very fast. I still love Stephanie. I still love a lot of the show. But I think it's missing some magic. I truly do. I think it's been a little bit a little bit rough. Now, we open... I'm going into this week with an open mind, though. You know, I don't care for Deandra. I've said that before. But I do feel like the show, especially last week, was like really missing her storyline. I feel like her scenes with Dee are the best scenes of the show and some of the best scenes in this whole franchise. And so I think we need her. And I think whenever the show is lacking Mama D, I think the show is lacking a lot. And especially with all these like wedding activities, like I'm so over all the wedding stuff for Leanne. I just find it not very interesting or fun. We opened on this funeral for the bunny, for Brandy's bunny. And here's the thing with this. It's an interesting, funny concept. Like it's a funny idea, but the punchline was ruined because they showed that bunny funeral in the trailer for the show. They showed it in the coming attractions from last week of the show. Seen it in commercials. Like they've shown it so much that the punchline was ruined. So then watching the scene, it's just like, okay. And I think maybe if you're a casual viewer of this show, you probably found it funny. But for me, I just thought, okay, this was, let's get through this scene. We've seen it already a hundred times. I wish Bravo would hold stuff back like that. It doesn't make sense to me to show that scene because the whole point of that scene was it was like a funny punchline when we found out that it was a bunny, when we found out that they were all doing this funeral for a bunny. But it was ruined by all of the previews. And so we're opening on something that's already been spoiled for us. And so it's putting a bad taste in my mouth already. Um, but there was a funny dressed up bunny that arrived. <laughs> and Brandy did reveal, you guys, that the bunny was frozen in a freezer for six months. What kind of Tinsley Mortimer shit is this? <laughs> ah, you guys. Then they released balloons, which I don't think you're supposed to release balloons in there anymore. Am I right? I don't think you're supposed to do that. Uh, anyway, then we cut to Leanne. It's revealed that her dog got an ulcer, and now he the dog only has one eye, and so does Rich. 
And so Leanne says in her confessional, the two men in my life both have one eye. And uh, I look, I still love Rich's eye patch, you guys. I find it so sexy. Um, but now they're doing a couple shower. So it's revealed that Leanne's doing a couple's shower. And I'm just so fucking exhausted by all of these. Do you also see how many Amazon boxes were in Leanne's house? There were so many an- uh, Amazon boxes. Now, I get a lot of Amazon, too, but they were all over the tables. I wonder what was in them. <laughs> what was, what'd you get from Amazon, Leanne? Then uh, we see Cameron come over, and she brings CBD for the dog. She reveals that her and her mother-in-law are planning the couple shower. Uh, and Steph can't come anymore. Cameron's upset about it. Brandy can't because the kids have the first Easter egg hunt or something. Cameron just shakes her head at all of it, the way she shakes her head at everything. <laughs> Cameron shakes her head at all of it. And then, let's see. Oh, we cut to Dee's house. Now, I finally felt like the show got a jolt of energy, didn't you? All of a sudden, we, we're at Dee's house, and we see the crazy pictures of her and Deandra on the house. It seemed like it was, uh, fa- it looked like a house from 1993. And I mean that in the best way possible. It seemed like something that has not been restyled since 1993, and I loved it. It made me feel good. When I got to Dee's house, I really settled in, and I thought, okay, we have ourselves a show. A totally different energy, and that's what this show's missing. So Dee's sitting in the patio chair from 93, and <laughs> I mean, a lot of that style's coming back, so you know, Dee's ahead of the curb. But Deandra says that they're moving out of the office, and Dee just shakes her head. Dee cannot believe that Deandra's thinking about moving out of that office that she built. And then Mama D shades Deandra for marrying a poor person. <laughs> you guys, the Mama D scenes are some of the most compelling things I've ever seen. They are truly like the show Succession. I know we've talked about that on this before. But I'm telling you, Mama D and Deandra have one of the craziest relationships I've ever seen on TV. And I could watch it for hours. I think they should have a spinoff. I, I think... I don't often say that these people can handle a full spinoff on their own because these are ensemble shows. I'll be honest, you guys. I think Mama D and Deandra could do a spinoff and I would watch it. I find their scenes so good. So good. There's so much going on there. And then Mama D says, you need to take yourself off salary. You need to take yourself off salary, Deandra. And then Deandra says she's trying to take out a loan. And then Mama D says, I didn't... I didn't know they gave loans to people who didn't have any money. Oh, you guys. Mama D is savage. I didn't know they gave loans to any people who don't have any money. <laughs> I could have listened to her say that ten times over. Then uh, D says that um, she only wants to invest money in herself. She's not going to give Deandra any more money. Deandra wants more money for her, but Mama D is not going to do it. And Mama D knew the company didn't have money. She knew it. When she gave Deandra the keys to that company, she knew that that was a failed company, and she didn't even give a fuck. That's, that's why Mama D's a savage. So Deandra wants a loan from Mama D. Mama D says, I don't make loans. I don't do that. If I gave you 100000 you wouldn't be able to make it. It's just who you are. Ugh. Says Deandra's best skill is asking for money. I mean, in the confessionals, to Deandra's face, she's so fucking rude to her, and I love it. It's so good. It's so good. Deandra's best skill is asking for money. Then um, Deandra says she makes a small salary from the um, from the company, and she gets five thousand from the trust. She says it's not. She says I can't live off sixty thousand a year. But I thought, what about your Real Houses of Dallas salary? And that's the thing that bugs me about these shows is when we're not talking about that. So we know she makes a salary from the show. So why can't we reference that? Why can't she say that on air? Instead, she's putting up this facade like she's only making the 60K. And we know that's not true. She's making social media money uh, from doing sponsorships, I'm sure. Um, she's making money from Bravo. She's making appearance money. Like, uh, come on. Let's not pretend that she's only making 60000 a year because that's just simply not true. Then it's revealed that Dee owns Deandra's home. She owns the home. Uh, and she knows what's in her bank accounts. Deandra gets so pissed. She's like, why do you know what's in my bank accounts? And she's, Mama D says, I pay my bills. You need to pay your bills. Your mother's not going to be your bank. I've been your bank for years, and I'm not going to be your bank. <laughs> she kept saying it. I'm not going to be your bank. Your bank. The way she said bank. Bank. I'm not going to be your bank. <laughs> I love Mama D. I'm not going to be. Your mother's been your bank. I'm not going to be your bank. 
Oh, you guys, I love her. Love her. More Mama D. That's what the show needs. Spice it up. Give me, make her housewife. Her, you know, I had heard rumblings about this that they had tried to make a show with the moms. I don't know how factual this is. It might have just been a rumor, but I did hear that they tried to make a show with people like Dale and maybe Mama D. And I wish it would have gone. I don't know what happened to it or, or if it's even a real thing. Maybe it was a rumor. But I did hear a substantial rumor that this was a thing that they tried to make happen. Caroline Manzo, I believe, some other people, that Mama D, Tinsdale, I think there was a few of them that were involved. And I would have loved to see it. Where's the pilot? If they did shoot a pilot, I'd like to see it. Again, don't quote me on that, because maybe I'm making that up. But I did hear it somewhere. (laughs) You know, sometimes I hear things some places, and some of it I might have been dreaming up. Um, but that I think I did hear. Anyway, then we see Court and Cam at lunch. And Cam orders some fried food. She says, when I order fried, you know I'm stressed. And uh, they've been married 11 years. And uh, Court says that Cam's been more beautiful now than she was when they first got married, but she's more high maintenance. And then Cam reveals that she used to be a nature lover. <laughs> she says, I was nature Barbie before, and then I became couture Barbie. And then they showed a picture of her in front of a tent camping. and. I know that Cam was saying she's nature Barbie, but I feel like it was just like one picture at a campgrounds. And I bet you Cam didn't even stay in that tent, but it was like one photo she took. (laughs) And then now we're all supposed to pretend that she used to be like a nature Barbie, but I love Cam. And let me tell you something. I say this every week, but the amount of messages that I get when I talk about my love for Cam, I really, it's very discouraging. People yell at me and say, how could you like Cam? And to that, I say, I love her. And I'm sticking by it. I think she is a crazy character. Um, but I do get a lot of, I'm always so interested in what people get mad at me for in a way. And look, I'm not super sensitive about it anymore. I used to be more sensitive. So this is not, uh, I'm not looking for sympathy. Don't cry for me, Argentina. I just am saying this to say that I do my own little scientific research based on the DMs that I get. And I can usually tell like who everyone's hating or who people are loving. And I'm always so fascinated by there's certain people that fans just like feel very violently angry about. And uh, Cam is one of those people. And it's so, that one's really surprising to me because I feel like she's so uh, kind of innocent. Of course, she is mean to our, our queen icon legend, Stephanie, oftentimes. But I do find it so interesting that people get like very upset about Cam. But I still love her, you guys. So anyway, uh, and I love Stephanie too. That's no shade to Stephanie. I think Stephanie's the best housewife we have on television today. I love her. We must protect her at all costs. Which, speaking of, we cut to Steph and Travis. And uh, for their anniversary, Travis got Stephanie all the stuff that she steals of his, including $1,000. He just wrapped up $1,000 of fives. And you know what? That's a great gift for me. I would like a thousand dollars of fives. I'd take them to the male strip club. I don't know if we have one here. <laughs> I would order some strippers to the house, some male dancers, or go to Magic Mike in Vegas, and I would just go to town with those five dollar bills. That's a great gift for me if anyone's looking for Christmas. <laughs> Bunch of fives. Uh, sounds good to me. Uh, anyway, I like Travis a lot. I'm really fond of love. That's been interesting to me too, though, because. I had talked about my love of Travis before on the show, and he's someone that so many other people also love. So there you go. I got so many uh, words of encouragement about my love for Travis. So many people reached out and said, I love Travis too, and they have crushes on him. So there you go. So then, let's see, we see this party. Cameron thought she ordered a string quartet, but again, it was only three people. (laughs) She did that before, which is so funny. She just kept going, again? Again, the producer told her, like, you hired a string quartet and there was only three. And Cameron Air Professional just, again? <laughs> again? She designed a carny cocktail for the occasion. Tiffany and Aaron showed up. Remember Aaron, the Keith Urban lookalike? Ugh, I like seeing them. I like these old housewives coming in. Plus, we got the old Carrie. Um, and then as Leanne was walking in with Rich, she said, can you see this? And Rich goes, no, I only have one eye. <laughs> Oh, it made me laugh. Great comedic timing. Beautiful tablescapes. The tablescapes were stunning. Cameron gives a speech. Tiffany gave a speech. Too many speeches. I hate speeches at these events. It's too much. Just let people eat and talk to each other. No one wants to listen to someone give a speech every fucking second. I hate all these. The wedding speeches are out of control. Out of control. You're allowed to give a speech, but give it for three minutes and you're done. Then let people eat and get to the dance floor. These speeches go on too long. You, when you see a brides, you go to a wedding and you see the bridesmaid or the groomsman giving a 15-minute uh, speech, and you're just sitting there thinking, like, I don't know 
I wasn't around you guys in college. Like, I don't know what the fuck was going on. Stop telling a story about college. No one wants to hear that. Tell the person privately. Come on. We don't need to hear that in front of everyone. Tell the person how much you love them privately. I don't need to listen to a 15-minute speech at a wedding. Enough. Enough. Anyway, uh, it's in, uh, revealed that Carrie invited the girls out for drinks for a girls' night. Carrie, old Carrie, and Leanne were not invited. Leanne says they're going to crash. Cam says the etiquette is bad, but she doesn't care because she's pissed at Stephanie and Brandy for not coming. Again, Cameron's not perfect. She's very messy, especially this season, and she's being mean to our Stephanie. And so I do uh, want to say that justice for Stephanie. So then there's also cake cutting at this thing. Too many cakes. Carrie uh, and Stephanie and Brandy, they meet for drinks. And Carrie said that she is looking to get one of the houses in her name or an investment in her name because she says her husband won't. And that's important. And I thought Carrie's been uh, giving us some of this wisdom a few times this season. And it's really making me like her a lot. She's told her daughter about, uh, you know, marrying a little bit older. And now she's talking about investments and how it's so important for a significant other to have an investment in their name. And I was like applauding that for Carrie. I was really happy about it. Then Carrie and Brandy reveal that they got invited to Leanne's wedding in a text two weeks before the wedding. (laughs) Brandy says the invite wasn't she said Leanne's treating it like a golden ticket. Um, and Deandra shows up, uh, and then Cam, Leanne, and Carrie, they all come. And Leanne is mad that uh, Brandy and Stephanie didn't uh, reveal that they weren't going to arrive at the shower with her. And then um, they start talking a little bit about the 30% of the mail getting lost. And I don't know if that's factual at all. I think that was a made-up thing by Leanne. I'd be pissed if I was a postal worker and she was making up statistics about it. And maybe it is right, but I feel like 30% is high. My postal lady, she's a gem of a human. And let me tell you something. I bet she doesn't lose any percentage. I get my mail like clockwork. Like clockwork. Anyway, then Cameron said she's mad at Stephanie because uh, Stephanie's kid was not at an Easter play. So Stephanie said they had an Easter play, but the kid was dressed as a dino. And so... (laughs) So stupid, you guys. <laughs> she was she was mad that the kid was dressed as a fucking dino on her social media because she was supposed to be at an Easter play. So she Cam, by her logic, she would have been happy if Cam's if Steph's kid was dressed as the Easter bunny, but because the kid was dressed as a dino, Cam was pissed. <laughs> How could you not love that? It's so stupid. Uh then they arrive. Cameron gives everyone a hey, hi girl, hey girl. She's always giving the hey girl. And then it reminded me of Roni. Remember when Alex brought Simon to that dinner party? Ugh. Then um, Carrie got mad right off the bat. And then everyone starts arguing. Everyone starts arguing. And then Cam says about Brandy that Brandy RSVP'd that she was going to eat chicken or beef. And then Brandy said she didn't even know who texted her about the chicken and beef. So she said, I don't even know. I just responded. <laughs> and meanwhile, Cam's yelling at Stephanie like, you said it was an Easter event. Why was there a dino? And they're all just fighting. It's so funny. And Cameron's mad about the word surface. Uh, and then um, she, they call each other victims. It's just so good. This uh, this fight, this episode I did enjoy, you guys. I'll be honest, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the crazy fighting at the end. Next week, we get Leanne and the wedding stuff. We get some more Mama D. And the wedding, um, the wedding, which I can't wait to get out of the way because I'm tired of watching the wedding stuff. Anyway, that's the episode, you guys. Thank you all so much for listening. This was a long one. Uh, please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, facebook.com slash Pellegrino Danny. If you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash everything iconic. Click become a patron. If you donate $4 more per month, you get the bonus episodes. I'm doing one a month. I just did a Real Houses Atlanta first episode recap. So it's up there now. I love you all for listening. Let's, uh, I'm also on Cameo and you can buy the t-shirts at uh, everythingiconic.threadless.com. So let's do a little cool down. So let's all take a deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Let's take another deep breath in and hold it. Breathe out. Let's take one more deep breath in and hold it. Think about something you're grateful for this week and breathe out. I love you all so much for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful week. And I have something fun I'm working on for the holiday season. So I hope to announce that very soon. But in the meantime, have a great week. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that 
thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 